coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Rob Ganley. And today we have a remarkable guest. I know I say that every time. I don't always say remarkable though, but but definitely a remarkable guest. <laughs> it's great to have her here. He is the CEO of Dog Training Elite. Today we are happy to have Betsy Feaster. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. So I was telling you earlier that I wanted to start with how you wound up because your journey is interesting. I love this journey because it's it's a very honest one. And I think you're the right person for the job uh, because <laughs> of the journey. But tell us about how you went from being, you know, in the U.S. Air Force all the way to CEO of Dog Training Elite because the journey is kind of interesting. So I want to start there. Yeah, thanks. Like my husband and I joke about it. We call this Betsy version 3.0. So it's probably Betsy version 3.1. Yeah. So uh, I started, as, as you mentioned, in the Air Force. I, I'm a big believer in serving for our country. So I did about 10 years in the Air Force in an organization called the Office of Special Investigations, where we ran counter espionage, counterterrorism, and then criminal investigations. So if you're familiar with the show NCIS, it's the NCIS version of the Air Force. So it was, cool that? It was cool. super cool. It was like... Really, really fun uh, and very rewarding. So I got to, I went to Iraq and to Afghanistan in that capacity. And and my husband, after about 10 years, he he was like, okay, well, sort of, uh, I'm tired of you not being here, right? Because the, after September 11th, the demand on our deployments was, was pretty high. So I said, okay, you know, that makes sense. I love you. Probably good that we're together and we're still married. We've been married for 22 years. Uh, so after that, I went to a recruiting conference and I was fortunate that I got an interview with ExxonMobil. And in ExxonMobil, it's a, it's a good segue from the military. It's very, you know, it's it's very process oriented. You know, there's a, there's a structure in place. It's, it was a good way for me to move from it, from the military to a corporate environment. And I was very fortunate there. I, I happened to, you know, meet the right people and, and work as hard as I could. And, and I became an executive in about four or three years. So I ended up working at ExxonMobil for another 10 or 11 years. I was an executive for, you know, 75% of that time. So that was that was neat. During that time, we we were able to go to Africa for six years, and we were able to learn a lot about how corporate structure is, is developed, how you know, successful corporations operate. So it, it was great. Just at, at some point, you know, I just didn't love it as much as I wanted to. And uh, what I did now is I love dogs. And I, I love kind of still being in business. So my husband did it, you know, he just started was Googling one day, because he could tell I was less happy than I normally am. I became like, overly dedicated to fitness, you know, that was my outlet. Um, and he was, he was like, there's something really wrong with you. Uh, so he, um, he actually found dog training elite just doing a Google for uh, dog training franchises or dog training business. 
and he set it up. And uh, so about two years ago, we, we came out here for approval day and we fell in love with the, the staff at the time and, and the model about how we could continue to do company service, you know, I mean, community service, you know, doing service dogs and therapy dogs, helping veterans, because I personally have a service dog because of some of my uh, PTSD. So they helped me train my dog. And yeah. um, then once that happened, uh, I started really being involved. So we actually bought a, our initial franchise was in Southeast Louisiana. So Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And we, we really, really love that area. Uh, but I'm from Philadelphia and my parents are getting a little older. And because our business did better than we thought it was going to do, you know, we were like, oh, well, we'll just kind of live off our ExxonMobil money and it'll be fine. But the business did well. So we, we took the opportunity because we were so happy and, and so grateful to, to be doing something that we loved and, and making a living at it that we bought a territory um, outside. We bought basically Philadelphia, not the center city, but the surrounding areas of Philadelphia, which is where I'm from. Right. So yeah. it gave me the, so we opened up that franchise, gave me an opportunity to really get involved with my family a little bit more, uh, see my brother, my only niece and my parents. So that was really wonderful. And then um, there was some turmoil up here at the headquarters and there was, you know, the, the original CEO resigned. They had an interim CEO um, and they asked us to be on, on the board. So we, we came on the board and through that process, just, I started asking some questions and, and there was just this realization that I was probably the right person to help grow the franchise and help stabilize what we'd achieved. And so they asked me to do it. Originally I said no, um, because I, I left ExxonMobil because I didn't want to compete for the CEO job. Uh, and then I, you know, I went home and talked to my husband and, and just realized how much uh, we loved this business. So we ended up uh, saying yes. And now I've gotten teased by three of my former colleagues that I saw mobile. They're like, you left because you didn't want to be a CEO. Now, what are you doing? You know, um, <laughs> so, but it's a, it's a lot different. And so that's how we got here. It's just, it, we're very happy to be here. And um, we think it was, it was all meant to be. So we're, we're excited about it. Yeah. Well, I know, I know the difference. Uh, it's a, it, it's interesting. Like you said a lot of cool stuff there. I, I really, I'm from Philadelphia, by the way. You are How about the Eagles. Finally, the Eagles are that team, right? That everybody else. I know but the says, Phillies like, totally play let me down. I can't, I can't even with the Phillies, but anyway, <laughs> I, know. I know, I know we're getting a little spoiled in Philadelphia. We love our sports, but, um, but that's cool. And I also picked up on, on, and you have a good husband. I'm glad you're still married because, you know, it sounds like he's keeping an eye on what's best for you. Uh, so good. That's good. But I do, I do understand what you're saying, though. There's a lot to be said for the journey you went through because it's really a reflection of franchising in that the brand becomes very important. It's um, the brand is an, it's like everybody's individual dream uh, together as a network, but it's important to you. So like for you, you kind of said to yourself, and you have that way about you, I could tell, like being that you served. Um, by the way, thank you because, you know, you served and I could tell you're probably, you know, you're not saying everything you might say. Uh, what, what you had to <laughs> right. you had to invest for that. And I, I can only imagine that I'm glad that you have a dog, but it was really interesting that you went through that journey on many levels of interacting with the business, but also how important the brand was to you. Like, you realized, you know, the brand's important to us, you know, you and your husband and who, who's involved, but also the other franchisees, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you're like, wait a minute. And then you you saw it in yourself as, well, I'm one of those people that could probably be that person, right? So it's like in your mind, you said, oh, no, I'm picking myself. I, I want to do that. Um, yeah, but, exactly. But you cared about the brand, right? That's the connection is that you're willing to make the sacrifice because the brand mattered. 
And that's what franchising produces is that sort of provide and that sort of you know caring about it. And and you're you're a franchisee, you're a franchise owner coming in where you were, and that's where you came in, and, and that's where you develop that loyalty. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said. So all right, now let's let's jump over to CEO, right? So you are CEO of this brand. And I noticed that last year you guys did a quite a bit of growing. So tell me about that. Tell me what that means for the future, like your vision for how you will approach growth, what some of your goals are. And I know just kind of tying it to the real purpose, which I thought was, I mean, as a dog lover, we talked earlier, I'm a dog lover, but, you know, I just think it's amazing what dogs can do for people. Like, mm-hmm. where I think we've learned a lot more over the last maybe 20 years, but the, the idea of having a service dog for many purposes and you, you, I think you, you personally can identify with that, but also the experience of being a, an owner and now part of this brand. Tell me how growth is tied to sort of that, that goal that you might have to help more people, right? But tell me how that looks because you grew yeah, a lot last so year. And- you're absolutely right, Rob. So like last year, we were growing at such an exponential rate. We the, the CEO at the time actually said, made a conscious decision to say, look, you know, we need to pause, right? Because we're getting... We want to make sure that we're doing this systematically and we're not, we're, we're, that the franchisees are happy and the franchisor is happy. So there was a conscious decision near the end of the year, I think, to say, listen, let's just, let's just pause for a little bit. So we did that um, and kicked it back up again in, you know, maybe the first quarter of the year. So I, I actually, you know, back to the, the, why, one of the reasons I wanted the role is I thought that was a, a really pragmatic decision. It, you know, it showed that, uh, that again, to your earlier point, that it's a family row, row, rowing in the same direction, right? We, we don't want to dilute the brand by growing too fast. And so I thought that was an, uh, it was a difficult decision to make because obviously that stops revenue for the corporation, um, on one portion of the revenue. So, uh, I, I so once we got that kicked back up, which we have been doing, you know, uh, my we want to grow in the right way in in a very uh, it, I keep using the word systematic, but it's very it's appropriate for this. It, it's not you know to use a military term, we're not doing a ready fire aim that we are ready, we're aiming and we're firing so that we all understand what we're trying to achieve. Um, my vision, you know, you know we have. I want us obviously to continue to grow in the right way with the right franchise owners. Sorry, you can hear my dog in the background. Uh, they're playing. I have a new puppy. Anyway, so what what I want to do is there are two states where I think we can really uh, expand and help people more, which are in California and in New York, in New York. We don't have any franchisees there, but tying to your your earlier how we're supporting folks is that there's an element about training service dogs to help it invisible and visible disabilities and those two states you know they're two two of the biggest if not the two biggest i think they are we really need to to be able to broaden that to help more people you know because there's this tendency after especially after covid right a lot of people got dogs there was it was easy for us to kind of fill that gap but really now what we want to do is because of COVID and some of the, the potential mental health issues that came out that resulted from it, you know, we want to be able to help with anxiety, people with, um, you know, psychological concerns. Stevie, stop it. Sorry. Um, so By the way, that's perfect. We're, we're, we're doing a dog. We're, we're talking dog businesses, so the, the, the barking, whatever. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> They're always in my office. But anyway, uh, um, and they get, they like to tell me when it's the end of the day. Um, so, 
So what we want to do is, is continue to, there are two types of ways that we can help the community and help serve. One is through training service dogs, which we're able to do at a much lower cost because of our models. So if you were to look up, you know, dog, I want a service dog, I want to buy a service dog. It's probably going to cost you in the $25,000 mark because you're, you're buying a dog that's been trained and blah, blah, blah. We train with the client. So if you want you needed a service dog, Rob, we, we would work together on your service dog, which allows us to lower the cost because we're not taking the dog in and boarding it and training it for a year. We're working on it with you. So that's a one way that we're able to kind of help more people because it's much more cost effective. The second way is we train therapy dogs. So we train dogs that can go out into, you know, rehab centers or the VA start helping people, you know, just by petting a dog, right? Like just, yeah. just, yeah. you know, kind of feeling better because there's an element of the dog, you know, obviously I'm very biased. I'm a dog person, but that can at least calm your anxiety just by hanging out and having a dog sit in your lap. So we train dogs to go do that. We also do some um, uh, autism support and, and things with children that um, really need you know, kind of the, the soothing effect. Um, and also, you know, back to your earlier comment about the capability of dogs, it's pretty cool. Um, we've done some studies or we, I've read some studies that, you know, if they would have taken, for example, instead of going through all the, the COVID testing and the, all of that, if, you know, dogs can detect that stuff. So just think about that in those terms with, if you have kids going to school and, you know, they can't go to school because maybe somebody in their class was near someone with COVID, the dog could sniff that out. So it's an opportunity lost, but maybe one in the future. So we'd like to grow in that yeah. space as well. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. It's very interesting. That so, was a long answer, sorry, which was distracted. No, but you, you kind of, yeah, no, I wanted to dive deeper into the, the service dog part. So tell me a little bit about, like, let's talk about the business model a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, your local owner, um, you're focused on training service dogs for individuals and for organizations. Tell me mm -hmm. a little bit more, how does this work in terms of well, there's two parts. The first question is more on the business side. So let's just talk about the revenue streams and what makes your model a little unique other than the fact of what you just said, which is helping people in a way that I think is really rewarding. But tell me more about what makes your, your model a little more unique and what would you compare it to in terms of other models, other brands that might be similar? I mean, maybe you're totally unique, but help differentiate your training business from others. Yeah, you know, I think we're, you know, we're kind of a niche service in the dog training world because we are mobile, right? So the the model is we're able to to bring on franchisees at a lower cost. There's not brick and mortar that's required, right? You, you can come in, you can have your own car, and you can go out and start training dogs. And that's what we like to do. We like to have um, people building that relationship between the dog and the client and the handler, right? Uh, the dog, the client, and the trainer. So we're going to your house instead, and we're doing it on your schedule. So if you're doing radio shows all day and you can only do it at 7 p.m., then we're going to go ahead and schedule that training session at 7 p.m. We'll be there, you know, and we'll work with you for an hour. Okay. So the most similar, you know, and, and then after you finish that kind of private in-home session, we do group classes to help the dogs socialize with each other and get the, the handlers a little bit more confidence in working in, you know, the park, you know, doing off-leash recall and things like that. Okay. So 
the most comparable thing would be, you know, kind of a mobile dog groomer or, you know, any anything where you, you don't have to have a facility and you're going to people's houses and they're trusting you and you're developing that relationship with something that is so valuable to them with their family pet. Yeah. So that's, that's what makes us a little different. Most dog trainers are, you know, in facility or um, what we call board and train, you know, you, you, you drop your dog off for two weeks and then you come pick them up and we've done your obedience, for example. So that's our, that's our niche market. That's what separates us from other dog trainers. Um, and, but there are some similarities in, in other, in other business, the way that, yeah. you know, from a, putting on my Exxon mobile hat, right. As a franchisee, like I said, since we're mobile, it's very low initial capital investment. So you're able to, uh, your margins are high, right? Because you're you're not really spending on anything else other than, you know, your marketing fees and things like that. So we're able to bring in, you know, like we we're talking about veterans, you know, folks that, you know, might not have $5 million in the bank, but they have a desire to go out and put in a little sweat equity and make it happen. And so that, that yeah. gives opportunities for, you know, lower, I would, I don't want to call us a low cost franchise, but it's lower than, you know, um, other franchises that might be comparable. Right, right. Yeah, well, and, and so tell me a little bit about, let's dive in, because you said niche, and I feel like it is too. Like, I don't I don't claim to know all 7,000. I think there's around 7,000 brands. I, I, Come on, Rob, this seven, is your radio I don't know. show. I'm going to start te teasing you about it. Yeah, I should, I should know every brand. No, I don't know every brand, but I know a lot, and I feel like yours is unique. So tell me a little bit about, um, I've been hearing a lot about mental illness being epidemic proportions. Like it's worse than we might right might detect. Some of us might be closer to it and agree, but I I don't necessarily notice it versus say twenty years ago. But that's what I hear is that it's people are struggling, right? And and COVID was a, a big driver, and then there's other things going on in our world today. So you have this. What I'm really getting to is what are the drivers for your marketplace? And I feel like that's a big one um, because it's also one that we don't talk about. We don't mm -hmm. market about like, like that's the beauty of a new, like a model like yours, where it's like, you know, this massive demand, but I don't think people are connecting yet. Like that this having a service dog could be game changing for you mm -hmm. versus every other option that you might be pursuing, which is taking drugs or doing this or doing that. Mm -hmm. Reality is, this is information they probably not everyone's aware of. Yet we have this big problem of mental mental illness. Tell me how this connects. Like when you're talking to someone about the opportunity, what does that marketplace look like? Is that one of the drivers? Obviously, veterans is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we we tend to have, we're having issues in the world today. So I'm thinking more of our veterans are affected. So it's like, what are the drivers? Like to me, there's demand, ma massive demand coming and probably increasing. Can you share more about how that looks for you and how you're playing a role in helping? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the number of folks that have had, you know, the kind of the anxiety issue about after COVID and, um, and, and there are two ways that we're, we're able to help. To me, that's a big area that I want to be able to help with because, you know, folks are, you know, they, the, the social anxiety piece is, is grown significantly. So we want to go after that comes off wrong. We want to be able to help folks in that, in that space, be comfortable going to school again, or be comfortable. And, and, and a dog can do that for you, right? They, if you don't want to make eye contact with someone, then you can just make eye contact with your dog. And only, you know, service dogs are the only ones with, right, significant public access. You know, you can go anywhere with your service dog. 
provided, you, you know, the services needed. So for me, that's it's a really big because, it, like you said, I'm not sure folks are really connecting in that space because they're like, I, I, I don't want, you know, I don't even want to go outside. I don't even want to dog talk to a dog trainer. But that's one of the things that's nice about our model is you're not coming to a big group class. You're just, we're, it's just us, right? Like if you if you can deal with me, then you're in pretty good shape, right? I'm just coming yeah, over. Yeah. And I'm going to work with you and your dog. So that yeah. that that kind of invisible disability thing is a big one for us. The other thing that we've seen that through the COVID process is that dogs have developed significant anxiety, like what we call fear aggression. So because they haven't been able to go out and, and meet with other dogs and go to dog parks or do whatever, now they're afraid of people or other dogs because, you know, look, maybe it's a puppy you got and you have, you because of COVID or in the epidemic, you weren't able to have friends over and do all that, right? So now all of a sudden you're, you're out and you're having friends over and you have a German shepherd who's incredibly territorial. So we can help folks in that. We like to, to focus on that as well. Make your dog get through COVID, right? The PTSD associated with the disease, uh, with the epidemic hits both people yeah. and, and puppies. So I yeah. never heard that, but it makes total sense. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's Philly. Important. I had it a lot, you know, like it, it was, it was wild. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, I've heard a lot about service dogs too. Just as I said, the original reason for the question is I feel like I do a lot of work in senior care as well. Like I, I have some brands in that space. And one of the biggest things about that is just the lack of awareness. Like people don't talk about their problems. They don't know there's others to help them with that problem. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I feel like, yeah, man, like if you realize how game changing it was, like that's going to like all of a sudden people are going to be like, we need you on 60 minutes. Like I'm sure you, there's been stories, but the point is, is that dog, yeah, having a service dog is not for like the extremes that we might've thought that, totally. that they should be. I think it, it needs to be uh, probably, well, I don't know how many tens of millions are affected by mental struggles. Right. But that's the numbers they throw out. Right. So like, that's a pretty big market, <laughs> So, but it's all good. I've been a dog lover my whole life, so I, I I feel like they're family members, and certainly can see where they've helped me. Even not trained, by the way, my my dogs were not very well trained, and I'm I'm sorry to say I should have done a That's better okay. job. That's okay. Now you know who to call. <laughs> well, but when I get a new like, dog, which I plan, I'm I'm going to be seeking you guys out. So hopefully no problem. You'll have, you can come to Salt Lake, uh, and I'll do it for you. But it, you know, it's kind of cool. Like there, you know, I've had a. For example, I did I did a dog for um, a therapist that they just wanted to have a, a dog in their office, and there was a there was a young child who hadn't spoken in several years because of a traumatic event, and so the therapist, you know, I, I brought the dog in. The therapist and I stepped out to talk about how the dog would be um, used in the therapy, and the next thing you know, we heard the child speaking through the door to the dog. Now it hadn't spoken in years. Yeah, like I I almost started to cry. So it's just stuff like that. It's just, it's yeah. incredible. So hopefully we can get, you know, some more exposure on what they can do so that we can help some more people. No doubt. That's exactly my point. Yeah. I just think people need to understand better and, and keep, you got to keep sharing the, the impact. Yeah. That's a great story. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, I think I have some sorts of stories. <laughs> the stories are like the questions I, I, I usually circle back to. So let's talk about veterans a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, this is near and dear being one. You're a veteran, and thank you again um, for the courage and and your your heart. I mean, look, we all we all know what you what we all the decision that you made to defend the things we care about as Americans. So, thank you for that. But thank you. Going into November, 
coming into November, we're celebrating a little bit with Veterans Day and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about you know where you're zeroing in on maybe that aspect. Uh, service dogs for veterans. How does that work? How do you how do you work with a veteran? How do you assess what they need? Is there different levels of what they need? Um, yeah. So I, the, the most common works. thing that we do with veterans is, uh, you know, the PTSD thing is tough. Um, so a lot of what, what we see consistently is folks that, so first of all, we, we, we try to promote or we try to go to the veterans affairs and we try to, to do all of that just because like you said, it's near and dear to my heart. So given priorities, I'm going to choose to try to help the veterans and, and folks in need, not just veterans, folks that have been through really traumatic events or just need, just need a buddy. Um, but for veterans in particular, the, what we see a lot with the PTSD is that folks are afraid of crowds. So, Sorry. Um, so the, the crowds, so what we're able to do is we're able to train a dog, a service dog, for example, to sit behind you and we call it, you know, check six. Well, I do because it's a military command. So we, we have the dog sit, you know, right behind you and so that people can't encroach on you. So that gives people a little bit more comfort in that, you know, crowded environment and the dog's just going to sit there and hold their position. And so that you don't feel somebody right up against your back. So that's a very common thing or, you know, orbit where we teach the dog to kind of walk around you in, in, in a, not, not in a spastic way, but in a methodical way. So again, to create that space in crowds, because that's one thing out of Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, kind of that the, 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 the type of warfare was you never know who's next to you. You might get hit with a, you know, they might be carrying a weapon or something versus more traditional cold war type of military tactics. But so, so that's something that we can, that we do. We also do something. We also teach commonly with veterans, um, what we call deep pressure therapy, where we teach the dog to lie down on top of you and, um, you can just, and, and put their head, you know, basically on your chest or on your shoulder. And when you're really feeling anxious because of um, some, some traumatic event, you can you just you're petting the dog, and the weight of the dog helps settle you down. So even the heavier, like my dog's 100 pounds, um, and he and he will do that. So it, it, it so those are like the what we would call the more simplified tasks that we can do. But we also do as much as you know, folks that have had um, you know uh, they have a tendency to do self harm, or they are they they drink too much, we can teach dogs to stop that behavior, right? We can teach them to, you know, either stop you from doing it, to smell out that your, you know, your stress levels is your cortisol levels are really, really elevated. Uh, So that's what my dog does for me. When my cortisol levels are really, really high, he will nudge me out of the situation. He'll kind of annoy me until I back out of the situation and calm myself down. So dogs, they can be persistent, right? And it's annoying. You're like, I'm fine. Get away from me. But they're like, you're not fine, right? You're getting really stressed out. So I'm going to get you out of this situation. So it can be from scent work to basic you know, like I was talking about physical tasks to go fetch somebody if you're in trouble, you know, it, they can do all of that. So it just depends on what the need is. We can generally train to, to fit that need given the wow. dog, right? I don't want to promise yeah. like, you know, I get a lot of calls from folks. I was like, I adopted a five-year-old mixed chihuahua pit bull, blah, blah, blah. Can you teach it to be a protection dog? I'm like, I can, but that's not a good idea. So in our process, we sort of, we work with the clients to understand the dog and try to, if if they don't have a dog yet, perhaps help them pick out the right dog for the need. How about that? Yeah, I was good. Clearly. Yeah. Some dogs are, are, are made for certain things. 
It's funny that you brought that up about the putting the dog on you like that. I remember I told you earlier I had labs when I uh my last set of dogs that I had. And uh I love that. I used to put Jake was my yellow lab and he was oh. he was chill enough to to do that. So he would just chill on me, but he was so big, I'm not that big of a guy. So he would almost cover my entire body. And the feeling of that warmth and that weight was, I remember I just loved that. And I just, I just did it because I liked it. I just like to pet my dogs. Yeah, yeah cold I get day. it. But, but the same, you connected that there's a real impact. I can vouch that, yeah, it was just something about that I loved. And it's funny that it actually had a medicinal or sort of, it was actually specific to chilling you out because, yeah, I mean, I love my dogs. I mean, and I, it's amazing that you mentioned all that because honestly, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how sensitive dogs can be. But I've oh, always man. heard their, yeah. their sense of smell is amazing. And it's like, mm -hmm. like, what do they smell meat from 10 miles away? But it's more, they can sense you, like what's going on with you. They can smell it or sense it. It's amazing. So, so that's the veterans. So tell me, I got a two part question for you. I want to make sure that, that the audience uh, gets a chance to hear this. Is sort of the, you know, I've we've kind of talked a lot about how I think rewarding this can be, and clearly, if you're an animal person, I mean, you can be a business person too. But I think being an animal person probably is important. But what would you say is the ingredients you're looking for for a, a business owner, for a franchise owner, and what would that first twelve months look like for them? Like, what is it you're keying in on as being the most important? APIs for a franchisee. Clearly, success is the end result you want. But what does that look like that first that first year? And yeah, that's uh, a really, so what are you looking for? The timing is perfect of this question because yeah. I'm actually looking at, at a lot of our franchisees right now. Um, so, so my my theory is this: the the business is almost is kind of easy um, in that you know we can teach you how to do a, a return on your investment, how to look at your marketing spend, how to evaluate your you know what you're doing. The that stuff's pretty easy. The training is hard, right? Learning the, the patience that's required to deal with a dog, right? Some people just don't have it. So, but that doesn't mean they can't be franchise owners. So I guess, I guess to answer your question is, is um, succinctly as I can is we're looking for the person that understands the value of the service that we're providing that is willing to put in the work, you know, because you can be a franchise owner and we don't really have an absentee model, but we, we do have semi-absentee where you start, you, you, you're involved at the beginning and then you hand it off to, you know, an operations person. So I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested in people that want to learn and want that understand and aren't afraid of hard work. Cause at the beginning, so to segue to your second part question, the first 12 months, um, it, it usually takes about three to six months to really start rolling. Uh, so, you know, at the beginning, what we end up, what it looks like is you're going to come to training with us. We're going to teach you everything you need to know about training a dog. You're going to go in two weeks of what we call boot camp. We're going to teach you our techniques. We're going to get you out on appointments. We're going to make you really comfortable. And that's why that's our focus, because we think we can teach you the business stuff. And most people already have some sort of sense of that. Then after you get back, we, we generally recommend, you know, you go to a, a, some sort of event with your dog that you just came to boot camp with us. And you're, you're basically demoing what you can do. And it's old school, right? You're like at, 
at a farmer's market, for example, and, and you're you're with your dog and you're like, oh my gosh, people are coming by you and they're like, your dog is sitting so still for the, the whole day. Like, yeah, like I can do that for you, right? Um, so their first six months are a lot of, is a lot of that shows and getting out and, and showing off, for lack of a better term, what your dog can do, going to community events. After that, you know, we've got a nice um, uh, marketing, um, uh, internet media support firm, media marketing, and generally uh-huh. their SEO kicks in at the six month point where, where we're getting up in the Google pages and then it becomes a little bit more automated. So it the first six me. months are a little bit of, it's, a, it's some boots on the ground, you know, you're going out, you're, you're talking about, you're proud of, that's why we want you to love what you do, right? Because it yeah. sells itself. Um, the outcome yes. sells itself. Uh, and then once that that Google searching SEO work kicks in, it's it's a lot easier. You're starting to get web referrals, and you're getting personal networking referrals, and you're you know. All, so after that, yeah. you're you're in good shape. You're in good shape. Yeah, you know, and I would think you know, just as a marketing guy, as a technology marketing guy that started on Google from the beginning, um, and it's all about intent. And I, as I said. It could be challenging, but I got to believe there's a lot of unique things you do that people are wondering or need help on. And it seems like a really cool topic to be discovered. <laughs> so I'm sure that'll only be a growing concern for your brand and the things you're doing for people. Um, so yeah, that's good. And um, But I also see it as being very community focused too, because like here in the Springs, like if I were to tell some friends about it, I could tell you right away, they'd be like, oh, that's really cool. They'd be like me, like like very interested and intrigued with how the impacts are made. And I do see a lot of people in stores. It's pretty common here where I am to see service dogs with people. So I would say almost any time I go to Walmart, I'll see service dogs. Um, so that's actually one common. of the challenges we have, not to, to interrupt you. I just, it's oh, interesting because yeah, you can go on the internet and pay $50 and get a form that says there's a service dog, but they're not a service dog. And so wow. actually, um, as a segue, uh, Texas just passed a law that you get something like some exorbitant fine if it's quote unquote a fake service dog. So y- you yeah. don't want to do that, I guess. So don't sorry to do that. You, but uh, you know, I'm with you. I'm like, what is that? That's right. not a service dog. I can tell. <laughs> you know, uh, they just want to go everywhere with their dog. But they just want to take their fine. dog in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I got you. I could see people doing that. Yeah, well, no, that's good to know. And I think that's important distinction. And and you know what? That's too important. This stuff's too important. I, I, yeah, don't don't use that. It's like parking in handicapped spots. Yeah, and stuff. you know, it really is. It's uh, it's like, why are you doing that? You know, come on, yeah. man. Have a little yeah. integrity with the process. Yeah, exactly. So tell me, um, as we wrap up, I appreciate your time. And, and I'd like to, I want to share that. I want to ask this because I, I think someone with your background might have a pretty interesting answer. Um, you can answer it a couple of different ways, really just from what comes to your heart. Um, but in being through all the things you've been through, you've been through war, you've been through military, you've been through, you know, obviously college, and, and then you, uh, you've been in the corporate world. You probably met a lot of really smart people, I got to believe. And I know for me, I've always appreciated the mentors, the the managers, the people that inspired me or even encouraged me. Is there anybody along the way that you just, there was a principle or an idea that you'd like to share or wait, something that you still use in your management style or leadership style or could be a principle. It could be something someone shared with you. It could just be something <laughs> dad told you over and over again, but is it something you're using? That you feel like, yep, that's me, man, and that's how I roll. Is there a principle or an idea you'd want to share 
with that? Um, well, it's a good question. I could answer it in a number of ways, as you might imagine. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say something that's going to sound ridiculous, but I'm going to say it anyway, just because you're from Philly. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you. Um, so I, it, it was actually my childhood riding instructor, my equestrian instructor. Yeah. Just the principle of loving animals, being proud of who you are, integrity in the sport or, you know, understanding that it's a two way street. It's you and the animal and you have to have integrity in everything that you do that ties to the military as well. But, you know, I was 13 years old and and I grew up in a, in a um, you know, in, in a nice family. I had been relatively spoiled. You know, I fell off a horse in, in, in Devon, you know, for, you, you probably know Devon. I know and, Devin, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I sat there in the middle of the, of the ring crying at 13 and she came out and she was like, get up. You know, you have to get up. You have to finish this. Respect the horse. He's working hard for you. You made the mistake. Respect the people that came out here to watch you uh, and finish what you started. So it that is it. She was incredibly impactful. She was scary, but she made me really, you know, ready for the military and everything else that happened after that. So that she it. had two dogs. She had two labs. So there you go. You didn't disappoint me. I, I put you on the spot. I, I I just know people like you always think of something that, that is so crucial what you just brought up. I mean, I think as a entrepreneur and you know, uh, someone who's had some failures and successes, but you know, when you're driven by your own visions and want to do things on your own, it, sometimes you hit those places where you're sitting in the middle and you're crying because yep. you're as an adult, right? And right. that's the answer. That's the answer in the back of your head. You know, you got to get up, pull up your bootstraps and keep going because, but you added something that I think is really important. There's an obligation to finish and strong, period. It doesn't matter how bad it might look or how embarrassed you feel. You have an obligation to finish, the obligation to what you're doing, your people, who you're working with, the audience, whatever. But that's an important distinction because it, it can be hard to finish. And you, and you yeah, doesn't... especially if it's not going well, but you got to, you know, um, and that's, well, you, you know, do, that's, it's the military, got, it's ExxonMobil, it's, it's everything. Yeah. And, you know, that, my dad will be mad. I didn't say him, but he was, he was pretty amazing as well. But he yeah. didn't teach me the love of animals, so he didn't get that, yeah. that answer. He didn't get that. So there you go. Well, the, he, this is a dog, this is a dog interview. So we have to, we have to talk about that. So that's good stuff. I appreciate your time. It's uh it's been a total pleasure having you. Can you can you just share the website and make sure that everybody knows how to get a hold of you guys? And I know, and by the way, your comment earlier about controlling growth, I think that's so responsible. And that's why franchising works because it is, it's like, let's take care of the ones we have. It's we're good. Okay, let's keep going. But that's why it works so well. So thank you for the integrity. But how can people get uh, uh, in touch with you guys, especially California, New York, if they happen to be, I know that's an area that you care about. So we do, do, yeah. Well, we care about everybody. It's just our, our right, right. opportunity. Um, yeah, it's very easy. It's it's dogtrainingelite.com. That's our, our website. And um, there's there are links to franchising from there. And also, if you wanted to, you know, just just get some dog training, that's a, that's a good place to start. Uh, generally, that you know, we have a map for where we're located. And if you go there, and you, you, you can always reach out to me from there as well. I appreciate it. And, and Betsy, it's been an absolute pleasure. And for we the audience, they can't, the audience can't see the dogs, but they're chilling with us. And this is my 10 week old puppy. Yeah. 10 week black lab puppy, which I think are, are some of the cutest puppies in the world. So 
<laughs> thank you, Rob, for making this so easy. And thank you for letting us spread our message. And um, I look forward to hopefully being able to talk to you again sometime. Uh, absolutely. Plan on it. Well, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. And we, uh, we plan on having more great stories here on Franchise Marketing Radio. And we look forward to talking again. And bye for now. Thank you.